seven left. Crowd standing up. A lot of people here. It's a sellout crowd. Santa Yanez. Final round. Watch your head. Come on, come on. And goes orthodox. Trying to unzip Elder. Find those openings. Set round seven, eight, nine. I thought Burton was slowing down. He really came on. I thought he took the last two. And it's a good thing that the way in. Oh, Elder with a left hand. And Burton is in big trouble. Holding on for his life here. Stevie's not going to make it. There goes the left. Evo Elder. Three, four, five, six. Are you all right? Seven, eight. Are you okay? One quarter, one quarter. He's, he's out on his feet, it looks like, Steve. on the cards. Lord, I thank you for this gladiator, this man with such heart, such skill, such determination. I pray that you make this this loss for him a benefit like you did for me three and a half years ago, God. Make it the best thing that ever happened to him so that he'll turn his life completely to you, God. And you understand, nothing in the natural is worth anything. Only a relationship with you, the Father, the God of the earth. That's all that matters, Lord. I pray that you touch his heart, make him have no pain, no hurt, no misunderstanding. And let him know that I love him as a brother in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You bad dude. You bad dude, man. You bad. Everybody, Everybody, there's a plan Jesus Christ has for your life. Yeah. Just accept it. Yeah. Get him into it. Chilling moment. Well, it's always good to watch boxing in church. <laughs> Not something we do too often. Great to be here with you guys this weekend. Uh, what a blessing, Pastor Mike. What a blessing, man. Just the, the reverence for the Lord. Amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, that's great. Um, great to be here. Uh, end of 2006, New Year's Eve 2006, I, uh, the Lord called me to leave boxing, made it very clear over the next few days. And uh, at the beginning of 2007, I set out on a, a venture to start a ministry. <laughs> problem was I was starting to start a ministry in the flesh, and I, I started calling churches, and uh, we attended a denomination at the time, and I, I called every church of that denomination in the state of Georgia. Three weeks of cold calling, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, hundreds of churches, and uh, I didn't have one person say I could come speak. 
I required nothing. I, I would speak to anyone. I would pay my own expenses. And nobody gave me an invitation. I was you know, three weeks into this. I'm like, Lord, you know, you called me to leave box and you shut my career down. And now what? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I got a, a MySpace message from a guy named Philip McIntosh. And uh, he said, hey, man, me and my dad pastor a church out here in San Diego. And we saw you on the contender and saw you lose. But give God glory. We can tell you know Jesus and want you to come speak at our church on a, a Saturday night uh, later this month. And and I was like and, and I, I was I was thrilled. I said, absolutely. And I'm thinking to myself, probably like a little small church plant or something. But that's cool. <laughs> show up to a Saturday night service. I don't know, 1,500 guys. You know, it, it, was, it was great. It was great. But I love Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike um, gave us the first opportunity in ministry. Later that year, September of 2007, 12 years ago, I spoke at this very conference. And uh, man, it's just, just been an amazing journey walking with the Lord and trusting the Lord and trying to stay out of the flesh, <laughs> you know. But God's been good. So I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, I, I'm really uh, also very excited that I have my autobiography for pre-order now. Um, I worked on this book, the first manuscript, for 10 years. And uh, I, we've been, we're in the third round of editing now. And uh, that's taken about two years. So this book has been the hardest thing I've ever done. And that, after say, seeing that fight, should say something to you, I think. <laughs> this book's been very difficult to write, but I know God's going to use it mightily. I know it's going to bless the people that read it. So if you'd, if you'd like, you can come by and see me at my table afterwards. I'd love to, uh, for you to pre-order that. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Our theme verse. Let's read it. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come here and gather together as men and, and to seek you, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for the messages that have been shared this morning from Sean and Terry and Pastor Mike and just how you've already spoken to us through these men. And uh, we thank you for that, Lord. And now, Lord, I just ask that you would use me as a, 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 just a, a conduit of your love and your, and your word to your people. Um, Lord, I pray we would each know that each man here would have a reverence for your word, as Pastor Mike just taught us. A reverence for your word, knowing that it never returns void. That it always accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. It is either a vehicle to salvation to those who receive it or a vehicle to judgment to those who don't. And I pray that would grip us, Lord, as we dive into your word. I ask it in your name. Amen. Well, guys, I know we're a little bit behind schedule, nearing lunchtime. <laughs> I wish I could have went before the pre-lunch session. That's okay. I'll request that next time. Bear with me. I, I will try to um, be uh, as brief as possible in this message. Um, 
We're looking here, you know, Paul instructing his young disciple Titus there on the island of Crete, um, ministering to the Cretans. Their own prophet said, these, these guys, they're, they're lazy. They're, they're, they're evil beasts. They're, they're liars. And that's the Bible's way of saying they're a bunch of scumbags, right? <laughs> okay, well, he guys, okay, thanks for laughing, bro. <laughs> Uh, you guys, uh, they're, they're, these are just a messed up group, a bunch of people. Much like us, I think, in many ways. Of course, being covered in the blood of Christ changes everything. But, but yeah, we're, uh, we're wretches, man. We're, we're wretched, wretched people. But thank you, Lord, for the blood of Christ and the, the forgiveness found therein. Amen. But he's instructing him here, and, and it seems like, it says, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things showing yourself. It seems like he kind of directs it towards Titus himself here in verse 7. Showing yourself um, to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and my assignment for this conference, incorruptibility. Now let me be honest with you. Apart from reading the Bible, I've probably never said this word. <laughs> Has it, I mean, it's not something we use in our, our Western American vocabulary, the word incorruptibility. I, just, I don't talk like that too often. I may try to from now on just for fun, I guess. But incorruptibility. And I, you know, I got to diving into this subject of not being corrupted by the world. You know, not allowing the world we live in and, and all the distractions and all the temptations, not allowing that to corrupt me. And I had to really nail down a specific word. I didn't want to use the word incorruptibility throughout this message, by the way. So, you know, so of course, I do a, a word study and I look at some other words that mean the same thing. And I, I, I came down to this one single word. Purity. Having a pure devotion unto the Lord. And, and you know, purity, we, when, we think, when we hear purity, we often immediately think of sexual purity. And certainly that applies. But this, I want to go a little broader here with purity. A, a pure devotion across the board. Like we were talking earlier this morning, you know, just about giving Jesus a preeminence in every aspect of your life. And I, I got to looking at this, studying this subject of purity in the scriptures, and I realized it is a predominant theme in the Bible. This idea of, you know, not being corrupted, staying pure. And the reason is because God is holy. God is holy. God is completely, infinitely pure. And, and, and the Bible, the, the predominant theme of the Bible is his reconcile, reconciling us back into relation with himself. That we were separated by sin, separated by defilement and corruption from God by sin. And because of that, Jesus paid the price on the cross. He died for our sins. He took our place on the cross. He rose again. And through faith in him, we can now be brought back into relationship with God. And as I begin to see this predominant theme running through the whole Bible, man, I was just 
a little bit overwhelmed with how to teach a message on this word thoroughly in 30 or 40 minutes. For you note takers, and please take notes, guys. We, we, we remember very little of what we hear unless we write it down. Because then we can go back and read it, right? And you're, I know your wives are going to be like, hey, what did you learn at the conference, honey? And you're going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> Unless you can say, here, look at these notes. <laughs> Tell me what they mean, right? <laughs> For you note takers, I, I divided this message into four sections, only one of which I'm definitely going to teach, and I might get to two. <laughs> but I want to give them to you nonetheless. First, the purpose in purity. Why do we need to be pure? Secondly, the practicality of purity. How do we remain pure? Thirdly, the promise in purity. What's the reward for living a pure life of complete devotion to God? And fourthly, the plight of impurity. What is the cost of compromise? Now, I'm only going to, I'm only going to, uh, the main part of this message is going to be number two, the practicality of purity. How do we live pure lives devoted to God? And I might get to number four, the plight of impurity, if we have time. Now, we just watched a clip of a boxing match. It wasn't just for your entertainment. Um, you know, God will meet us where we're at. And I spent a great deal of my life in the boxing ring. And God would meet me in the boxing ring on many occasions through my amateur and pro career. And when he would do so, he would often teach me his word, his will, his ways. He would teach me and instruct me in righteousness in a boxing match. <laughs> That's odd, right? <laughs> you guys are like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> uh, you know, the Apostle Paul likens our spiritual walk to that of a boxing match in the Scriptures. He tells young Timothy to fight the good fight. He says, I don't punch the air like a boxer shadow boxes, but I live my life with intention and purpose and, you know, meaning. So there are many things about a boxing match that can be likened to our spiritual walk that parallel our spiritual walk very, very well. And because of that, I'm going to share with you now a little bit of that boxing match. Some of you have heard about that boxing match before. Uh, it, it has, you know, interesting, I've been sharing parts of that boxing match for years and the Lord continues to show me more and, and kind of sharpen it and give different perspectives and it's really amazing what the way God does that but um anyway end of 2003 I was lost I was hopeless I had um left boxing I had left the Lord me and my wife were in a, a very desperate situation and uh, I knew if interestingly I knew God was still the answer I knew Jesus was still the answer but I wasn't serving him or following him, but I knew something had to change in my life. Or we, me and my wife weren't going to make it together or apart. It was just a train wreck. And the Lord opened my eyes to the, to the gospel. He, he opened my eyes to his plans for my life. 
And I had a burning bush moment at the end of 2003 and devoted my life to the Lord. Um, I knew when God called me back to himself, he also called me back to boxing. I knew it, like, like Moses being called back to God's plan for him and called back to free the Israelites. I knew God was calling me back to boxing, that God was going to do something in boxing through my life. And so I had my pro debut January 2000, my, my pro, my first comeback fight January 2004. And by October 2004, we had Showtime's attention. Now, right when I surrendered my life to the Lord into 2003, I watched one boxing match that year. And this boxing match was between a guy named Courtney Burton and a guy named Angel Manfredi. I had heard of Angel many times, respected Angel, a good fighter, but I never heard of Courtney. I thought Courtney was going to get his butt whipped, <laughs> but the opposite happened. Courtney knocked out Angel Manfredi in, I think, eight rounds. And I remember sitting there into 2003, you know, baby Christian, you know, just surrendered my life to the Lord. And I cried out to God, Lord, if I, you know, if I ever fight again, please don't make me fight that guy. <laughs> 11, 12 months later, however many months it was, Showtime calls us. They say, hey, guys, we know Ebo's back in boxing. And we've seen him. He's doing good. You know, he's exciting to watch. He throws lots of punches, and, and he bleeds a lot, and we like that. It's, it's good for the ratings. <laughs> and they, they, sent us, they said we wanted him to fight on our network, so they sent us a list of potential opponents. We looked over the list, and they were all guys I should beat, all guys I could beat. And look, I knew what God had called me to do. Listen, I knew God had called me to fight the toughest fight I could possibly get in the world. The toughest fight. I knew God called me to something bigger than me. And I want you men to know something. God has called you to a life bigger than you. He's called you to a, he's got a plan for you much bigger than you. If you're limiting God's plan for your life to your abilities, your intellect, your resources, you have far short-sighted what God has called you to. But I knew God called me to the toughest fight I could get. So we told Showtime, challenge the champion. If he won't give us a fight, challenge the next guy. If he won't give us a fight, go to the next guy. And, and Showtime did that. They challenged the top three guys in the world. And I hadn't earned those fights quite yet. But they got to number four ranked Courtney Burton. And he accepted the fight. What's so funny about this? Courtney Burton was the only guy in the world that I actually feared fighting. I wasn't worried about nobody else but Courtney Burton. And God made me fight him. <laughs> Interesting thing, though. From the moment I signed the contract, at first I was bummed out, man. I was, I was scared at first. But I... Handshaking, signed the contract. <laughs> and as soon as I signed the contract, something happened. God gifted me with faith. Faith is a gift of God. We don't manifest faith within ourselves. It's not something we muster up. He gave me faith. And I knew at that moment I was going to win. I knew it. Not a shadow of a doubt. Fast forward a few months, we go out to San Inez, California, Chumash Casino, live Showtime Boxing, we get in the ring, 12 rounds ahead of me. 
second round of the fight, I began to notice something alarming. I was in way over my head. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? Uh, I was right there in the fight like, oh no. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? What did I do? Right? I knew by the second round, Courtney was bigger, meaner, stronger. He was going to beat me up and probably knock me out right there. Not behind the local Walmart in the alley where I don't really care because you wake up and go home. He was going to do it on live Showtime boxing television. So I began to cry out to God right there, man. I know that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I needed saved. <laughs> so I said, I said, Lord, this fight you've called me to is going to be brutal. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. And I admitted my weakness to God. I said, Lord, I'm going to want to quit. I know it. I know I don't have the goods, man. I don't have what it takes. I'm going to want to give up. I know I am. And God spoke back to me clearly in power and love. And he said, Ebo, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. <laughs> if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. Guys, I, I guess I would entitle this part of this message, <laughs> the... Um, the P's of practicality and purity. The first P in practicality of purity is perseverance. Guys, we've got to persevere. Now, maybe you were waiting on me to give you something that, you know, God was going to gift you with apart from your, your, you know, your willpower, or your, your trying, your discipline and dedication. But look, this is on you. See, there is a responsibility that we have. We can't do anything of value apart from Jesus. I get that. But there is a responsibility that we have as men to take the responsibility and say, you know what? I'm going to choose this day whom I will serve. I'm going to take the bull by the horns and I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Our responsibility is to persevere. Our responsibility is not to give up. And as God told me, he tells you, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. Perseverance. By definition, we're in a battle, a spiritual battle. By definition, battles are not easy, right? It's not going to be easy. Jesus said, broad is the way and easy is the path. That leads to destruction, but narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who go in by it. It is not going to be easy. When you became a Christian, when you said, hey, I'm going to be a man of God, you did not board a cruise ship. You boarded a battleship. <laughs> Amen. But we must persevere. We must keep going no matter how difficult it gets when temptation rises in your life to, to to give in to sin and become impure to 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 compromise your devotion to God when temptation rises you keep going you tie your bootstraps a little tighter 
you, you suck in your belt one more notch and you keep going, right? As, as uh, how the Lord put it with Job, gird your loins, put on your diaper. <laughs> Essentially what he told Job. Of course, Job was talking to God from a hurricane. That would make me... <laughs> Uh, perseverance. That's your first step. The, the first P to the practicality of purity. Well, when God told me that, if you don't quit, I'll do what you can't do. Guess what? Immediately, I knew I was going to win. Immediately. Not only would I win, I knew my victory was to come by knockout. Because I've never seen God leave a decision up to the judges, right? <laughs> That's that's not the way he rolls, right? That's not God's style. So I knew I was going to win by an incredible knockout victory. That sounds good to me, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds good. But I wanted to come quick and easy. Come on, Lord, you know, let's make this as quick and easy as possible, right? So spoiled rotten, right? And, you know, 150 years ago, you had to begin planning meals days in advance, right? Son, did you go kill the, uh, the animal we're going to butcher? And, and, you know, now you can just put a TV dinner in the microwave and it's done in 45 seconds. That's the way we are, man. Our culture is spoiled rotten. I wanted a victory to come quick and easy and Netflix and on demand. and Give me the victory on a silver platter, Lord. Amen. <laughs> well, it wasn't quick or easy right? The rounds kept going. Uh, fourth round, Courtney hit me with a big right hand that broke my jaw. Uh, round six, seven, eight, my eyes started to swell shut. Both of my kidneys started hemorrhaging. I was internally bleeding right there in the boxing match. Eyes swollen shut, bleeding everywhere. Um, after the 11th round, I mean, yeah, it wasn't quick or easy. I'm like, Lord, come on, let's do it through a little jab. Come on. Boom. It'll be miraculous, right? I, there was a point in the fight that I began to encourage the creator of the universe. Come on, Jesus, you can do it. Come on. <laughs> After the 11th round, I had nothing left. Nothing left. My corner knew it. They started praying for me. Lord, give him the strength to do, they said, whatever he has to do. <laughs> they prayed that because we had no idea what I actually had to do. Like, I thought I might have to die in the 12th round and be resurrected from the dead on showtime. <laughs> I'm not even joking you. I was completely prepared to die if I had to die. And you know the thing is, man, we live in the 11th round. You're in the 11th round right now. You're in the 11th round. We don't get to see the 12th round, do we? I didn't get to see what was going to happen in the 12th round. I hadn't read that chapter yet, as we say. And you're in the 11th round right now. You don't get to see round 12. But let me, let me tell you how it works, guys. God will reward your devotion to him, your purity. God will reward your purity this week, next week. He'll reward your surrenderness to him this year, next year. He'll, he'll reward 
He'll reward you for this week next. It's the principles of reaping and sowing, guys. Look, you always reap what you sow. You always reap after you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. The principles of reaping and sowing. I didn't see what was going to happen in the 12th time, but look, I knew this. I couldn't give up, right? P number, the number one, first key, first P to purity, perseverance. I knew I couldn't give up. And guys, I'm telling you today, don't give up. Don't quit. The miracle is in round 12. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the blessing is in round 12. You want, you want to make it to the blessing? You want to make it to the miracle or make it to the moment? You got to make it to round 12. So I go in the last round. A minute and a half go by and I had, I was so fatigued, man. I had nothing left, beaten to a pulp. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, pulp. I, you know, what's it got to do with oranges? I don't know, but look, I was beat up, right? <laughs> and I... Courtney hit me with a big right hand and I fell back into the ropes and instinctively, my instinct, my immediate reaction was to throw a left hand. But as I did, it was held back by a ring rope. It was caught in the ropes and it's held back and, and all my energy drained out of me and I started to go down. And look, as I started to go down, I knew at that moment it was about to be over. I knew it. I had nothing left. I, I knew I was about to get knocked out. If I could even stand up again, if I could even get to my feet, I was getting knocked out. I knew it. As I started to go down, I began my conversation with God again. I cried out to the Lord again. I said, Lord, I'm about to get knocked out. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Help me. You know, and I said, Lord, but I haven't quit. I didn't give up. And Lord, not once did I think about it. The second P in the practicality of purity. Perspective. Perseverance is number one. Perspective is number two. I want you guys to hear me on this. This is huge. This is huge. I said, Lord, I haven't thought about it. You know, Jesus said to take your thoughts. What? captive. It's a military term, taking your thoughts captive, like when in battle, when a military would take another a prisoner of war. That's, that's the word he used there. Take your thoughts captive. Now, I, know, I love Proverbs 23, 7. It really adds life to this understanding of the thought life, but Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Ultimately, guys, our thoughts dictate our identity, our worldview, our behavior. Our thoughts dictate who we become. Right thoughts dictate right behavior. Wrong thoughts dictate wrong behavior. That's the way it works. But the verse 23.7, Proverbs 23.7 is interesting. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, I don't think in my heart. <laughs> No, I think in my mind. But as I meditate on thoughts and dwell on thoughts, guess what happens? They take root in my heart. And whatever I allow to take root in my heart 
That's who I become. That's why the Bible continuously, it exhorts us to the things that are pure and righteous and noteworthy and noble and true to, and holy. These things meditate on these things. You know, to the world, meditation is emptying your mind of all things, which is impossible to do. <laughs> but to, the, to, to God, meditating on the word is filling your mind with the word of God. The second P in practicality of purity. Guys, we need to have a biblical perspective. We need to filter every thought we have through the word of God. We need to, as the Bible exhorts us, to wash in the water of the word that our minds might be renewed through the washing of the water of the word. We need a right way of thinking. Because look, Satan will lie to you. He will put deceptive thoughts into your mind. And if you meditate or dwell on those, the world will fill your mind with all types of sinful and impure thoughts. And if you meditate on those things, they will take root in your heart and it will shape your life and that will be who you become. But if you want to be a man of God and devoted to the Lord and a man of incorruptibility and purity unto the Lord, you must filter every thought through the word of God. And make sure that what is taking root in your heart is true and is from God. Amen? In that boxing match, I did that. I took every thought of quitting captive. I took it captive and I pressed forward. And I said, Lord, I'm not gonna th I haven't thought about quitting yet. I'm not going to think about quitting now. So I gathered together all the energy I possibly could, every bit of strength I possibly could, just enough to get to my feet. And when I got to my feet, <laughs> oh, something amazing happened. Power came into my body. <laughs> Listen, the commentator, Steve Farhood, he's a trip. I love him. He's a great guy. But look, he said, Ebo's got a, a burst of steam. <laughs> Watch it on YouTube. Watch the, the 11th round. You'll hear, or the 12th round, you'll hear Steve Farhood say, Ebo's got a burst of steam. Steve, there wasn't a burst of steam to be had, okay? Where'd I get it, right? It ain't coming from me because I didn't have a burst of steam to get. What he perceived as a burst of steam was, in fact, the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's the word dunamis. We get the word dynamic and dynamo and dynamite from this word. It is a powerful word. How powerful? I don't have time to go into it, but I would argue infinitely powerful. See, God is... All the, all the things that are noble and pure and righteous and trustworthy, all things that God is, he is those to the infinite power. He is infinitely righteous, infinitely holy, infinitely worthy of praise and reverence. He is infinitely powerful. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to every one of us that we might remain pure and devoted to God and live a life of incorruptibility. Man, I tell you what, 
the third P to your practicality of purity is power. Perseverance, perspective, and power. The greatest mistake we can make is as the church of God, trying to do the work of God and be the men of God he's called us to be without the power of God. It is impossible to be a man of devotion, a man of purity in your flesh. You can't do it. I don't care how hard you try, how, you know, maybe, maybe you're just a, you know, a, a good, good old guy. I'm not. <laughs> maybe you are, right? And maybe you're just really, you work hard at being a good guy. I don't care how hard you try, you cannot be a man of God in the flesh. You just can't do it. If you could, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross, would he? <laughs> Perseverance, perspective, and power. The plight of impurity. My last five minutes here, guys, before I'm done. The plight of impurity. The, the cost of compromise is great. It is great. Just before I turned 21 years old, I was at the lowest place in my life to that point. I, uh, I was married at 18 to my high school sweetheart. We had a perfect plan, a future planned out for us, but we compromised. We allowed corruption into our walk with the Lord. And we opened the door for Satan to get into our lives and our relationship. At 20 years old, I was divorced. Um, I was addicted to cocaine and meth and ecstasy and alcohol and addicted to women believing that a woman could satisfy and complete me and fulfill me and and uh, I was living a life of just rebellion, trying to find peace and purpose and meaning in my life. And the more I lived that life, the bigger the hole in my heart got, the bigger the, the empty, the void in my life became. I remember one night I got down on my knees at about 20 years old and I cried out one night. I thought if I could just get Amy back into my life, I said, if I could just get Amy back, I believed if I got Amy back into my life, that would be enough. My attempt to get her back into my life failed and I went home and I sat there and I found myself on the side of my bed with a 40 caliber Glock to my head. 20 years old, number two amateur world ranking, number two amateur boxer in the world at the time. Um, silver medal in the Goodwill Games, Madison Square Gardens, HBO. 60 grand in the bank, brand new house, brand new sports car, brand new truck. And I hated my life. Stuff will never satisfy. No other human will adequately satisfy. Colossians 2.10 is very clear. We are complete in Christ. That night as I started to pull the trigger, I sat there, man, I was ready to end my life. And as I started to pull the trigger, you guys, probably many of you know how a Glock works. I pulled the trigger safety and I started to put pressure on the trigger and I heard a small, still voice that said, Ebo, if you don't quit, 
I'll do what you can do. If you don't quit right now, if you don't give up, if you, if you don't throw in the towel, if you'll just come after me and follow me, I'll repair all you've lost. I'll restore all that the worm has eaten. And that night I began taking steps towards Jesus. We're not called to long jump with Jesus, right? We're not called to high jump with Jesus. Thankfully, I'm, you know, five, six. You know how that goes, you know. <laughs> you know, we're not called to do anything but walk with Jesus. And good news is you, you walk a step at a time, right? A step at a time. It's, it's, it's not that hard, right? So that night, man, I put the gun down and I just started taking steps. I got knocked back a time or two, but I kept taking steps. And God began to work in my life. Me and my wife, me and Amy have been remarried now 18 years. Um, God put me back, you know, took me back into boxing. I thought I would never fight again. I had no, no willpower, no desire to fight. I, I didn't have any desire for anything. God took me back into pro boxing, took me into five world ranking, three championship belts, put me on a reality show in 2006 and 2007, called me into a life of Bible teaching and evangelism. And the kids, the, the kids we had planned on having, we picked out all their names in high school. We were a little, a little crazy, right? But God gave us all those kids, man. He gave us Maddie, Abby, Gabby, and Addie. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't know why we did that. Yeah. God's got a good plan for you. At the, at the end of that fight, I said, Jesus Christ has a plan for your life. And he does. But men, we need to be men of incorruptibility. Men devoted to the Lord. Perseverance, perspective, and power. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. As you've spoken to us, God, I pray that each man here would recognize, acknowledge his responsibility, that he has heard from you. He's not heard from me. He's not heard from Pastor Mike or Terry or Sean, Lord. He has heard from you. And I pray that every man here would acknowledge that with reverence in their heart knowing that they are now accountable for what they have heard. This is not a game. This is the real deal. And now they are accountable for truth. They are accountable for your word sown into their life, planted in their heart. And God, I pray it was planted in good soil that we would hear and meditate and study and devote ourselves to you and that we would produce fruit as a result. We love you, Lord. We thank you for being so awesome, so gracious and merciful. Your forgiveness amazes me, Father. Thank you for your shed blood and the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't stay in a grave, but you rose again. And thank you, Lord, that we know we'll be with you soon in eternity together. Father, I lift up every man in here I pray you have your hand upon them. 
and that they would respond and yield to your work in their life. I ask it in your awesome, mighty name. Amen.